it a bit i'm your host sean lemmy joining me this week are john honey and colin westman uh matt carson's still moving to the desert wasteland of tatooine uh hopefully he'll be back next week we can only pray we gotta like pick what we're doing next week and all that and then we'll know uh, but this week we're talking about time travel, and boy, I wish I could travel back in time and redo the start of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and why are we talking about time travel? Let's well, uh, Looper's out this week, is it not? It is, and it's getting real good reviews, which is surprising. Uh, for those who don't know, Looper is the new sci-fi movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis, where I guess Joseph Gordon-Levitt kills people transported from the future back to the past, and then, uh-oh, it's, he has to kill himself? But older Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Bruce Willis. Yeah. And that's awesome. What's well, funny, because when I first saw the trailer, I was like, this looks terrible. Like, this is so stupid. Joseph Gordon-Levitt wearing Bruce Willis makeup. Oh, my God. But then I found out it was Ryan Johnson. He made Brick and Brothers Bloom and stuff. So, like, oh, well... He's a smart guy. I'm sure this will be uh, a little more thought-provoking, you know, than I originally assumed. And their views have been good, so I'm excited to see it. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of the guy. I mm-hmm. never had a doubt that it'll be interesting, <laughs> at the very least. Okay, uh, people are saying it's like the new, like the new Terminator in terms of time travel. That's interesting. Uh, which we'll get into. We will touch on. Yeah, so, I mean, while we're talking about Bruce Willis, why don't we just pop right into it and talk about 12 Monkeys? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 12 Monkeys, Terry Gilliam. Uh, this is a movie where Bruce Willis, it is the future. He's like a convict, and there's this virus that, like, destroyed the whole world. So this group of eccentric scientists are sending him to the past to try and stop this. Uh, they, they believe it was this group, right? This like these 12 Monkeys, this group who was responsible, and he's trying to stop it. And, of course, since it's a Gilliam film, it looks really weird and avant-garde in places. Like, the future is so fucked up. I remember there's some weird scene where, for some reason, these future scientists are singing Blueberry Hill. I don't remember why. <laughs> is that something that he, like, found out about when he traveled back in time? Uh, I don't remember. A little hazy on that. On that thing, what I like about this movie though is how at first they don't even send it back to the right time. Like, I like to think that time travel is like so complicated that you know you you mess up. You know, like because in time travel movies, it's like we're gonna send you back to January first, nineteen, you know, whatever. And here's one where they totally they fuck up like three years. But what's cool is when he goes back the first time, he ends up in an insane asylum where he meets crazy Brad Pitt who got Oscar nominated for this this performance. 
And then later, he travels back to the right time, and he meets, like, Brad Pitt after that, who's part of this group. But I, I don't know if we want to spoil anything here. Uh, I'm just spoiling a... 12 Monkeys. I haven't seen it. I don't care. I mean, the movie's what? 30? Oh, no, 19... That's the 90s, right? Not the 80s. Yeah. It was... It's the 90s. 90s. Do you really want us to spoil this, Sean? I don't care. Let me see if I if I can even remember it correctly. If I spoil it right, I don't even know because it's been a while. I seem to recall that Twelve Monkeys, this group they think is responsible for this virus, is actually a red herring. Brad Pitt is part of the Twelve Monkeys uh, group, but they weren't responsible for the virus. They're responsible for this other event where they like released a bunch of animals that I guess were being held captive for like science see stuff. And he finds out there's this other guy who's responsible for the virus. He's like, oh, shit. Oh, wait, and then he... Oh, God. This is, this is deep. Because whenever Colin, he gets, like, uh, he gets shot, and then he sees, like, the young version of himself. Because he's always had these visions of this guy getting shot. And he finds out his hand. Yeah. That is so awesome. I'm sorry I well, just ruined this movie for you, Sean. Well, that's... <laughs> well, I believe that's taken from the... The film it's kind of loosely based off Le Jeté, mm-hmm. the Chris Marker film, which I feel like that's one of the only parts that's like really distinctly taken from that. It seems like a pretty loose adaptation. Yeah, what's interesting with that original movie is it's just like a series of pictures, but uh, it's still kind of cool. You like, that. yeah, I'm all about that film. I was just... a little, I was a little turned, yeah, turned off by like the technique, but it's it's definitely like a good story considering it's. It's like still pictures, which is, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I love how 12 Monkeys, uh, I don't know, plays with the dysfunction of time travel. It's very offbeat, dark humor. Uh, Bruce Wells is pretty good in it. You know, he's he's definitely off and on, or has been his whole career, but he's definitely on here. Brad Pitt is is pretty weird, um, and but he's fun. he's fun to watch too. David Morse shows up. He's really creepy. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's a total head trip. And it's just it's fun to you know, look at and it's just fun to think about. Um, it's one of my favorite Gilliam films. So I, I think I should probably just say up front, I think I'm already on the record in this podcast. Uh, I think I've said I hate time travel. Mm-hmm. It's just such a... Like once you have it, once you can travel through time and space, how can a movie have any stakes? And and I, so I haven't seen all the movies on this list, but I like what you guys are saying about it being complex and and hard to to nail it down in this movie because I I feel like if you can really limit the ability to time travel, that that helps make a movie more engaging. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up. Now to think of it, time hole is just like a device to create plot holes. Seriously. That's what it's like the best at. Um, who knows? I'm sure most of these movies do have plot holes just because of that, because it is this thing that is so hard to grasp. Um, so, yeah, it'll, I'll, I'm interested to see how that will uh, play into some of these other movies. Should we just jump right into our, ne- our next one? Yeah, I guess uh, you guys think this is list-worthy, 12 Monkeys? 12 Monkeys, definitely, yeah. I would say so. It's one I, I haven't seen since high school. I saw it in the Back to the Future class, <laughs> in which we just watched movies about the future. 
This was one of the few good movies we actually watched. But it's funny whenever I hear about that class. It always just sounds like the worst, like a sound of thunder and Oh yeah, that's that's a terrible time travel movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we should have talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> just you know, this is how you not make a time travel movie is a sound of thunder. <laughs> yeah, just you know, look at a trailer or a clip and you can see why, just from a production standpoint. I'm sure it's even worse than that, than the effects. I can only imagine, you know, any movie where Ben Kingsley has like a white wig. Looks really <laughs> weird. Can you guys you've talked about this movie a lot and it sounds so bad. Can you t- I've always wondered, can you tell me what it's about? Colin? I don't even I don't even remember. I've never actually seen it, but doesn't have something to do where you travel back in time and there's like a time bridge that you're supposed to stand on. Yeah, and someone like steps out of the time bridge and they like step on a butterfly or something and it like totally fucks up everything in the future. So you know, so it's like the butterfly effect. This kind of things. Yeah, it was like really shitty CGI, like really bad. Yeah, the first scene of the movie is this dinosaur coming after them, and it looks like the worst thing ever. Not even like Sci-Fi Channel good. Yeah, it's slightly like it's not done yet. And I thought it looked like crap in like 2005 or whatever it was when I first saw it. Probably looks even more egregious now. Well, I saw like a trailer for it in theaters, and I remember thinking, like this, the trailers haven't started, right? This is like a commercial for like some TV thing, right? This isn't like a real movie. And it was like, did I just see a trailer? Is this like, I still didn't know. And then I didn't find it until years later when you call and saw it. I was like, that was a movie. That, and that was a theatrical movie. Oh my God. Um, jeez. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. I, I like tell bookies quite a bit. I yeah. think it's story. Uh, not too many funny wigs. Austin Powers has funny wigs, though. Mike Myers going all out to 60s style. Yeah, uh, so we went with the spy who shagged me because the first one, he's frozen. He doesn't travel through time through a, a time machine. I mean, it's still time travel, but yeah, this one is more conventional time travel, and I feel like it plays more into the plot. Because I feel like... no time does, machines. Yeah, there's time machines. And uh, this is just... Well, what's funny about this movie is that we, we've already established a lot of these characters, a lot of these villains. So then you get to see the younger versions of them. You get to see, like, younger Robert Wagner, number two, is now Rob Lowe, who's, like, actually better at the character. <laughs> and that's pretty fun. And then just, like, little jokes, like, um, Dr. Evil has, like, his uh, right-hand woman, Frau... Farbissina, she looks exactly the same. <laughs> he looks exactly the same, too. It doesn't make sense. Well, it makes sense because he traveled back in time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. My mind. Because he was frozen. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's got the nice um, kind of 60s setting, which is, which is fun. Austin really fits in there. Now he can bring back his experiences from the future. He knows what's going to happen. Um, it doesn't really have that fish out of water element that I like from the first one, but I don't know. I've always thought, like when I first saw Spy Shagney, I was like, "Oh man, this is way funnier than the first one." But now I don't even know. I like them both. Um, I think they're both great comedies. As time travel movies, I mean, I don't know how good a time travel comedy can get. 
<laughs> Actually, no, I think it can because we'll, with our next one, we'll we'll, we'll go into that. Um, yeah, we've got a whole block of time travel comedy <laughs> coming up. This is a tough one to weigh in uh, Austin Powers with some of these movies that really thought you know about their time travel aspect and or at least the, the best of their ability really put some work into that. And here's just some goofy comedy that just kind of uses it like like a little gimmick. Uh, so I don't know. It doesn't really help that just pop culture in general drove everything that was funny about Austin Powers into the ground and left basically nothing left for people who just enjoyed it and want to have people doing lame impressions and, and quoting every single recurring joke always and forever for like four years <laughs> and then what's, what's weird somehow is this ruined the third one's like oh we gotta do time travel again I don't know if I guess it doesn't make any sense it ruined the, the third one ruined itself <laughs> it's got its own problems it's got its own goddamn problems no this one is fine uh, it's very funny the, oh, what's cool with the time travel? Isn't there one? He's got like a car that has time travel too, or is that no? Is that the third one? I don't even know. That's the third one. Okay. I have. I obviously need to see this movie again. They all kind of blur together, I guess. The third one's the one with Beyonce and Michael. Kennedy. I know. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought this one had a time travel car as well. But uh, I remember there's like some swirly patterned thing that Dr. Evil jumps into. It just looks like it's some cheap effect, like some <laughs> spiral, black and white spiral. He just jumps into it. Yep. Looks pretty funny. <laughs> so it, uh, if, if we're just talking about like the coolest time machine, that one's definitely the, f- I mean, it's definitely the funniest on this list. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know why I could say that. It's not the funniest me. time machine on this list. <laughs> it's the funniest looking one to me. <laughs> Um, so I don't know about Austin Powers, but I don't think we have too many movies to go through. So uh, I guess we'll kind of just keep it uh, around. I mean, it's one we've all seen. That's a plus. Yes. And all that. <laughs> um, but, you know, when we're talking about comedies, I think we're moving on to what's probably the best uh, time travel comedy. I don't know. It's uh, debatable, I suppose. And that's Back to the Future which is iconic 80s film about going to the 50s. It's funny that that movie's now nostalgic in two ways. <laughs> yeah, to- well, because it's as far back to that movie now as it was to the 50s when that movie was made. So if they made a new, if they remade Back to the Future, if they did the unthinkable, <laughs> they'd go to like the 80s and they'd meet Michael J. Fox. That's what they should do. There's my terrible pitch. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd still looks the same. He could. That's something. That's something I love about that movie. Is he he looks the same in both times, like exactly the same. Um, so what was the nature of his relationship with uh, Michael J. Fox exactly? <laughs> he he was his employer. I thought. Did he give him money? What? Like how? Like that? Like he was like a lab assistant. That was like his after school job. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll have to trust you on that one. Because I, I don't really... It's funny, as, as many times as I, I, I guess I've seen that movie and I enjoy it, I always forget like what sets puts it all into motion. Okay, so he's friends with this some scientist dude who invents time travel with a DeLorean, which is pretty, pretty funny. Uh, there's some 80s nostalgia for you. And, but he's got plutonium, so these like Russian dudes 
gun him down, and then Mojafak's like, oh my god, and then he travels back in time. I guess, just to get away, right? That was that mm-hmm. was his primary reason to travel back in time. He goes back to the 50s, and then he's in his, his hometown back in the 50s, and there's all sorts of great fish-out-of-water jokes. He's got the fishing vest people think like, <laughs> was from a fishing boat. And I think, I think he, it's a life preserver. A life preserver, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's an orange vest. Not a fishing vest, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> And, well, you know, like one with like tackle and stuff. Government, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> and he meets his parents, and his dad's told Dweeb loves sci-fi, Crispin Glover. Very weird, like he is in real life, but very funny in the movie. And his mom, who has the hots for him. And, you know, thank God they didn't get really twisted with that aspect of the movie. I can only imagine. Ugh. Uh, but no, that's that's pretty hilarious. There's a there's that episode of Futurama that totally does go there though, and that's pretty mm-hmm. funny. Fry becomes his own grandfather. That's a great one. I, I want to say award winning some sort of whatever they award animated TV programs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and you know he goes back time and his, it, his mom thinks his name is Calvin because he's got Calvin Klein underwear. All sorts of great little jokes like that. He basically like invents the skateboard. Because there's these kids with these stupid wooden scooters, and he breaks the top part off, and then he's skating, does a cool move where he's like riding on the back of a car. Like, that's pretty sweet. Uh, gets biffed to land that pile of shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. He basically invents rock and roll, too. Basically. At least he did the song Johnny B. Good <laughs> at a school dance, and that's pretty, that's pretty good scene. So many, it, there's so many great little moments that make it up. I feel like that's what it is. It's just a series of great little comedic moments. Well, I guess yeah, all in all, it's a cool story. He's got to make sure his parents, uh, you know, get together so he doesn't, you know, he still exists and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a real message of hope. True love is just one good punch away from all of us. <laughs> Basically, the only unfortunate thing about this movie is that it spawned two sequels that I've always thought were pretty weak. Uh, have you guys seen Back to the Future 2 and 3? Back to the Future 2, and I haven't seen either of them since I was but a wee lad. Uh, but at the time, Back to the Future 2 seemed really dark and confusing to my young brain. <laughs> oh, no, it, it's, no, it's dark and confusing, all right. <laughs> it's a dark future. But I like Cowboys, so I was all right with Back to the Future 3. I liked that one as a kid, too, but I went back and watched them a couple years ago, and they are both bad. Who plays... The woman who ends up with Doc in that. Isn't it someone? Mary, is it Mary Steenburgen? That sounds right. Yeah, I'd believe that. This is Ted Danson. It just, the lady this movie's, well, I feel like the appeal was, them, was him going back to the, the past, um, which always always made the title of the movie incredibly confusing for me. And I was like, what? Back to the... Oh, and then I didn't get it to like I was in high school probably. He's like, oh, he's got to get back to the <laughs> so high school. It, it, oh, high school, but it back. took a really long time before I even like thought about it. I was like, oh, it was like a, a point. I don't know if it's high school. It was definitely a point where it was like embarrassing. <laughs> I never got it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I want to say Mary Steenburgen for the, your earlier question. Uh, 
But yeah, I know what, I mean, what's to say that hasn't been said? It's a, it's a comedy classic with really cool sci-fi elements. He's um, come up multiple times before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's ever made the list to anything. Yeah, talked about it in our high school one, or I think our sci-fi one. But I think it has a damn good chance of being on this list. Yeah. It is just memorable for so many different reasons. And, uh, yeah, just one of my favorite time-traveling comedies. Just like the next film, which is Groundhog Day, which has also been discussed on the podcast before. Me and Sean are huge fans of this. But who's the bigger fan? I don't know. I'm going to go Sean since he's uh, wants to bone Bill Murray. <laughs> Desperately. Sean, can you tell us why Groundhog Day is a time travel movie? It's a little tricky, I think, for some people to trap their minds around. Well, at the end of the day, he travels back in time to the beginning of of Groundhog Day again. And sure, Mm -hmm. he doesn't have a time machine, and the movie never even bothers to explain why this is happening, because it would probably be dumb if they explained why it's happening. I agree. But... The whole point of the movie is a guy is stuck in a time loop. And that's good enough for me. That's time travel. Definitely. And what I love about that so much is it plays with the idea that we've probably all thought about before. It's like, man, if I could only go back and do this one thing differently on this one day, and he gets to do the day over and over again and change, like, you know, everything he does, you know, or mix stuff up, or even take some dark turns. And I find that just so endlessly fascinating. You know, that movie could be like four hours long and I'd still be really <laughs> engrossed just because of all the things he could choose to do with his day. And, and it's interesting like, because you'd think this would be such a great setup if it wasn't for the fact that he's stuck in this dumb town <laughs> where he's got nothing to do, really. Can't yeah, go anywhere. Like a, I mean, it's a podunk town. He's a sarcastic asshole. He has to deal with stupid Ned the Head Ryer. <laughs> really annoying insurance salesman. And what I love about that movie is, I guess it is kind of like sci-fi, but it, I think some of the best movies encapsulate like all sorts of different genres. You know, it's like a comedy, it's a romance, it's a drama. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's God, this movie gets really dark at you know a period of time where he just starts killing himself every day and there's also the part with the old man who he just wants to keep him alive for at least one more day and he can never do it yeah trying to just change fate you know some people just die oh man this movie is i think deeper than maybe some people give it credit though i feel like in recent years it's pretty well respected um i hope so best screenplay ever written no. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> Sean just did. <laughs> that's you? That's, that's a Sean quote. Yeah, when they, when they come out with like the 20th edition, like Blu-ray, <laughs> it'll have your quote on it. <laughs> Greatest street play ever by Harold Ramis and some other guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's cool. It's a Harold Ramis movie. And uh, maybe his best... He's definitely gone downhill on year one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just really interesting movie. 
and and I like yeah I like what you're saying. I like that they don't explain it because you imagine can you imagine if like Dan Aykroyd comes in? He's like, Wait, <laughs> I've got to tell you something. You keep believing the same. Like that would have been so dumb. And then he like explains that there's some sort of phenomenon like with the universe. <laughs> like that could have been so bad. But no, they decided to leave it alone and just yeah develop the characters and you know that kind of stuff. And I love that. That's why I love this movie. Because I love all these characters, and you see see them over and over again, and that's that's funny. You bet but your is ass. It, is it as funny as our next film? Well, no. immortal classic. <laughs> People are still talking about it to this day. Hot tub time machine, which we all saw in theaters together. I mm-hmm. and it's got the all star cast of John Cusack, Rob Corddry, Craig Robinson, Clark Duke. Ooh, I'm surprised it hasn't still hasn't broken out yet. And Chevy Chase, I guess. <laughs> and some other people. And okay. well, so these guys, I don't even remember how this happened. Actually. <laughs> <Did> someone... they're... <laughs> they're going to have a good time at some cabin in the mountains. Because that's where they had all these great adventures back in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember why it is a hot tub time machine. Because Chevy Chase willed it to be hot tub time machine. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like a hot tub repair band. You can turn hot tubs into time machines. But, uh, I mean, it's not something you're supposed to look into, really. Yeah. It's it's supposed to be ridiculous. And I think that's pretty good. I remember when I first saw the trailer for this, they're like, yeah, I like that. That's good. Hot tub time machine. <laughs> And it's pretty funny. It's not the it wasn't the greatest comedy. I don't even know if it was the greatest comedy of that year. Probably uh, not. <laughs> probably not because I, I just recall Nancy saying that. Oh, I liked that way better than something else we saw that year. I think it was The Hangover. The Hangover. Yeah, and that was, was like, like the year before, ah. though. Yeah, but he said he liked that better than The Hangover. And I feel like that's the classic. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Sean, you're saying people still talk about hot tub time machine. I do. Yeah, it just who? To yourself? Yeah, I'm just like great white buffalo. Great white buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that counts as talking about hot tub time machine. Um, I just, you know, the movie had the balls to just call itself hot tub time machine. It didn't take it till seriously at all. It was. Just dumb and crazy and and funny enough that I was happy with it when we left the theater. Yeah, and here we have a uh, a time travel movie that goes to the eighties. Is that there's actually been enough time? I guess that's past where that is a weird, goofy time, and these guys go back and they all look like their uh, their past selves. Oh yeah, I guess that's... a ski resort. That's kind of interesting. They don't. They go back in time and become themselves again. They don't. They don't have to avoid themselves. They are themselves. Uh, I like that Craig Robinson goes back and he uh, he you know has sex with this woman and he's crying because he thinks he's cheating on his wife, but he's like traveled back in time, so he's really conflicted. And I seem to recall he has a band and they they play like Black Eyed Peas or something. Yeah, he's like and, since y'all been such a good audience. I'm going to give you one more. And then he lets get started, which is 
interesting. I don't know. I have all the songs to pick. Why he decide? Oh, this is the one I'm gonna. Now people think I wrote. This is the one people in the '80s will are gonna love to hear. <laughs> but they liked it. Uh, Rob, Rob Cordry is also pretty. That's good. the most I ever loved that "Let's Get Retarded" song was that appearance. Uh, nobody that calls one. it that anymore, Sean. Can't I? It's. it's I guess you can. <laughs> it's just. It's just controversial, I guess. I'm a Rob Cordry. I seem to recall has a pretty funny uh, timeline. too. he like alters his future in funny ways that I don't know why I'm like avoiding to spoil hot dub time. <laughs> Yeah, so Rob Corddry's character is suicidal at the beginning. That's why they go on this trip to begin with. It's because yeah. they're like, oh, don't you remember? We're such good friends, even though you're a dick and we all hate you. <laughs> and Clark Duke is here for some reason. <laughs> I don't remember. He's probably related to John Cusack, right? Maybe like his nephew or something. Yes, you're exactly right. Check that out right now. His nephew. <laughs> Um, but basically, yeah, Rob Corddry alters his uh, future by, like, um, he becomes, like, Motley Crue. <laughs> he, like, writes that Home Sweet Home song. I believe <laughs> you mean Motley Crue. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good joke. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I guess there's I'll, some pretty good You know good what? Moments. That's what bothered me the most about Hot Tub Time Machine is they, I mean, they leave a... Rob Corddry behind so he can change his future. I mean, they don't explicitly leave him behind, but that's what happens. But then mm-hmm. they get back to the future and all of their lives are radically changed because of all the stuff that Rob Corddry did. And so now it's like they lived their lives up until they were like 18 and now they're all in their 40s and they just missed like the prime years of their lives. They have to be told what they did. That's fucked up. It is kind of fucked up if you think about it, I, which I have never. <laughs> I never looked into it that deeply. But yeah, if you, if you really think about it, Hot Tub Time Machine is kind of <laughs> fucked up. This is a fucked up movie. You did a bad thing, Rob. Corby. These guys are sick, whoever put this thing together. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you look into it like that. I don't know, man. But um, I think you just got to take this as just a goofy comedy. And the time travel aspect is funny. And they do do some good jokes with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's not bad, actually. But it probably won't make the list. No, it's not making the list. As a matter of fact, I'm positive it won't make the list. So Midnight in Paris. Yeah? Oh, yeah, Midnight in Paris. A weird version of time travel. I like the time travel movies where they don't ex- really, like, explain it too much. It's it's something, like, classier. You know, like, that's not the yeah. point. That's better. Yes, that that's better than, like... A machine. I mean, sometimes it's fun when they come up like a DeLorean. That's funny. Or... You know what's not on this list is that Harry Potter movie where Hermione has the clock where she can just go to any time ever, whenever she wants, and then they just take that away from her at the end of the movie and they never use it again when all their friends die. God, I hate that. That that if we'd put that on here, oh man, that's like if we put hey Sean, maybe we should put Superman on here. Fuck you. <laughs> Talk about ruining a good movie with time travel. Jesus Christ. I don't want to talk about it. Midnight in Paris. Colin, what do you think? I mean, yeah, one of Woody Allen's best of the last few Did years. Did I say, John, what do you think? Huh? I want to hear from Colin. It's been a while. Sorry. What do you, what do you want to hear? Me explain the plot? 
I don't know. <laughs> Your voice. My voice? Calm me down, Colin. I've been thinking about Superman's ending. Okay, well, uh, the plot is uh, Owen Wilson is this uh, struggling, well, just frustrated writer who one night he's walking around Paris and he sees this old car like pull up to this, I don't know, just <laughs> this staircase that he's sitting on. And he gets in and it's Ernest Hemingway sitting in the car. And, you know, whole movie's him just hanging out with his... So Ernest Hemingway is like 150 years old and he's hanging out with him? Yeah, exactly. No, it transports him back to 1920s Paris, where, uh, you know, there's all these great artists and writers, Picasso, Salvador Dali, just hanging out, and Wilson gets to spend time with him. And I think that's a cool concept, because it's definitely something I think about, is like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if you could just go and hang out with all the the great artists and writers and, you know, whatever, famous people from the past. And that's what this movie explores. Yeah, it's interesting they, they explore the, the concept that people romanticize the past and, oh, man, I wish I could live in the past. But then eventually near the end of the movie, you know, he's talking to people and they wish they could live in the previous, like, era, which they see as much better than their own. So it yeah. kind of makes you like, oh, maybe we, you should appreciate where, you know, the time you're from and try to make the most of that. And I found that really interesting. And I just love all the conversations between all these people. One of my, I mean, this doesn't really have anything to do with the time travel aspect, but one of my favorite parts is when he's talking to Ernest Hemingway and he wants him to like read his, is it a, is it a book or a script? It's a book, right? It's a book. Yeah. And he's like, you know, if I like it, I'll be jealous, you know, and if I hate it, then I'll be like, you know, why did I read this? I hate this. And I think about that all the time, like about because I'm an uh, you know art student of sorts. You know, it's like I want you know I want to see something that somebody does that's bad, but if it's good, I'm just gonna be pissed off because I wish I'd done that. <laughs> and just like all the conversations they have, it's really interesting. So I really thought it's cool that Woody Allen played with his idea of of talking to these past like masters of sorts and you know stuff like that. You know, and it, it, it does have a certain romanticism to it that I really like. And it's a more recent one, too. I, I think that's cool that you can still do good time travel movies. It's, it's weird for me to think of it as a time travel movie, but yeah, I guess it is. It just doesn't have a sweet time machine or anything. Yeah, it, you know, it does it on a modest scale with, with not a lot of high-tech gadgetry, and I like that about it. Yeah, and I think what sets this apart from other time travel movies for the most part, I can think of off the top of my head, is that it's getting to meet famous people, too. I mean, I'm sure there's other ones that do that, but that's cool. Because, you know, like, like you were saying, that's what we'd all want to do. We'd all want to go back and talk to someone, you know, famous. Mm -hmm. And that's that's just, I love I love thinking about that. We, 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 that was 2011. Yeah. yeah, that was last year. Oh, yeah, all made our lists, I, I seem to recall. I hope, I don't know. We all enjoyed it, so I don't see why it wouldn't make this list. I mean, I think there's a pretty good shot. You're goddamn right. So Peggy Sue got married. Yeah, this is a Francis Ford Coppola movie with Kathleen Turner, and she's going to her high school reunion, but she's like, I don't know, because her 
ex-husband's there, and that's Nicolas Cage in the one of the weirdest roles I've ever seen him. <laughs> I'll get into that in just a bit. Um, but she, she, has, she has a strained relationship with him now. You know, she doesn't... Uh, she's not uncomfortable. She's uncomfortable around him. And then she's at this reunion thing. They, uh, I guess they. she becomes like their reunion queen or something like that. Yeah. If that's, a, if that's a thing, the reunion. I don't know. I, I don't know what the hell Probably that is. Probably not. But, but she, <laughs> she faints and then she ends up back in the uh, early 60s where she's back together with... Nicholas Cage, who wants to be like this crooner, singer kind of guy. And what's so weird about Nicholas Cage in this movie is he has the dumbest voice in any movie I've ever seen. He's like, oh, oh, oh. Hey. I can't really do it. Hey, thank you. I can't, I can't do it either. It's weird. I want to be a thing. I don't even can't. <laughs> I can't do it. It's kind of like Pee Wee Herman. It, that's, yeah, it's good. It's like Pee Wee Herman. Pokey from the Gumby <laughs> Show, right? Yeah, that's what. Uh, uh, supposedly he based it off of and what's really weird is you know like his so his uncle made this movie so that's probably maybe one reason he got to be in it but then it's like I was reading that you know something about they wanted to, they did not like his voice and wanted to fire him like he almost got fired and it's like well, why did he keep doing it why didn't they just say don't do that it's stupid because I remember the first scene I you know I see him see him in and I'm like seriously is that how he's gonna talk and then he just talks like that through the whole movie and that's how i felt about con air <laughs> yeah but that's like voices with like someone actually talks like that like in real life probably like maybe a little bit this is like a voice that no one talks like this is a cartoon voice he's doing a cartoon <laughs> character and it's you never quite get over it i think what's weird because i, I think his performance is okay it's just that voice is so weird Mm-hmm. I mean that aside, Kathleen Turner is really great in this. I think she's like even Oscar nominated or or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something. And Do you think Nicolas Cage takes direction at all, ever, in any movie? <laughs> I don't know. I never really thought about it. He's definitely given some great performances. So but yeah, it's like was that because of the director though, or is that because he's like no, just just let me do what I want to do? You know, I don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> I've never thought about that. But what I like about this movie is we all kind of think back, like if we went back to high school, what it would be like. And I mean, it's probably not as good for us because we're still in our younger years. But just revisiting the high school experience, uh, and that's that's fun to watch. So, Colin, you, you saw this movie recently, yeah, uh, and <laughs> just a couple of days ago. Just a couple of days ago, and how did you how did you enjoy it? I thought it was fine. It's a, it's a cute little movie, I guess. Um, it kind of does seem like familiar territory, considering like Back to the Future came out like what, like the year before this. Uh-huh. It's kind of dealing with that same fifties nostalgia time Basically, travel. Basically, <laughs> just like a couple of years later. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it has to be on the list. But I just think it was worth, it was worth noting. Yeah, it's got a young Jim Carrey. In it. Yeah, isn't that weird? It's weird to think that he's that old or young. Yeah, old. That's what I'm looking for. That's he's right. grandfather. Yeah, yes. it was. It was one year after <laughs> Back to the Future. Interesting. Interesting. Now let's go way into the future. So this is another debatable pick because 
Planet of the Apes is a space travel movie that at the very end is revealed to be a time travel movie. Well, we know it's a time travel movie because remember they're clo- they like they're in a ship and they're they all get old beards and they're like clock moves ahead because like one of the one of the other passengers they're I don't know what you to call it their booth that keeps them alive chamber thing like, oh, just, and they die from like old age so they you know that they're they're they've time traveled to the future you just don't know where uh. But I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of like like the setup. It's not like about time travel. It's not like trying to get back to their time or something. Um, I think I'm okay with it. I mean, th- we're calling this our time travel movies, not our time machine movies. Yeah. <laughs> so they definitely travel in time. Yeah. Uh, you know, to a time where somehow the reversal, there's been a reversal of man and animal. Now animals rule over man. And you know and it, people are stupid and put in cages. And it's it's really interesting concept that I've I just feel like the sequel to Rise of the Planet of the Apes is going to destroy this movie in some way. Yeah, basically, I think that's one of the great parts of it. Is, here's the spoiler. I mean, when you find out that this is like Earth in the future, is that you kind of wonder how did this happen? You know, and it's it's it, it's crazy to think. It's just like you can't you can't even imagine it. And now if they make a sequel to Rise, then they'll have like, oh, this bomb blew up on this date. It was really stupid. Big dumb bomb. You've heard of smart bombs. This is a dumb bomb. I feel like when we went to see that movie, we all had Rise of the Planet of the Apes. We had pretty mixed feelings. I thought it was like kind of fun, but it really does not sync up well with the other movies in any way because now there's like apes, and so like there's going to be what? There's going to be some sort of thing that kills all the humans and these apes are just going to start evolving but they're not killed it doesn't make any sense so well, there's still humans in the planet of the apes universe they're just hella dumb oh you're right you're right but yeah see i don't like that i, I like the, i like to think that everything was killed and then the life started over it just evolution went in a different direction this time some somehow which is, I don't know. I mean, it's it's whatever. It's whatever it is. It's more fun in your brain than it is yeah, exactly. when they make a movie of it. Explaining it will only ruin the fun of it, which is probably what they're going to do. And Planet of the Apes is a pretty fun movie. I, I have tr- trouble rewatching it. It kind of bores me now that I've seen it a few times. But, I mean, anything with Charlton Heston is, is going to be fun. And, and this is one of his most iconic roles. Yes, he is just so great at over-emoting and being so pissed off. It's funny that he was like a sci-fi star in like the late 60s, early 70s. It's just weird to think of a guy who was just real conservative, real to the Bible, started being put in all these cerebral sci-fi movies. Of course, he didn't make them cerebral. He'd always like try to get a gun and start blasting away. <laughs> He's just so much fun to watch in this movie. I just love that scene where the black guy has like the little American flag and Charlton Heston's like, ah! <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. That's it's, a weird it's, scene. it's terrifying. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like he's not a real person or something. <laughs> Emulating humanity. What's going on with this guy? But yeah, he's great. 
you know the time travel thing is 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 cool because it, it like it plays with your imagination you because you've got to fill in the gap of how time you know changed like this basically i mean charlton heston yells they blew it up goddamn but you don't really know really what he means he doesn't really know <laughs> they blew it up. Yeah, that's the cool thing you remember that movie uh contact yes i remember in that they talked about like if you go far enough in space you like time goes faster back on earth or, or the time you spend in space feels like way short. I don't know. I don't even remember what it was. But yeah. It was like, it was like she went on her space mission and it felt like just a little bit to her, but she came back and it was going to be hella old. Mm-hmm. And because contact was all about being boring, but like <laughs> trying to be based on real science as close <laughs> as they possibly could. I feel like that has retroactively make me just like accept all the, Probably bullshit they just say at the beginning of Planet Earth. <laughs> we're like, we're going far away from Earth, and that means time travel. And now I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. But they have their hibernation pods. <laughs> yeah, they do. Which is good. But it, they, they fuck up, and they grow, they grow beards. They're all old. Another movie that's kind of sad, like Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> they miss out on that portion of their life. Yeah, but it's not the prime years of their lives. It's like, <laughs> it's like growing them mid, the early 40s. <laughs> Plus, who knows? Maybe they don't really age in that thing. They just, just their hair grows because of some reason. It's kind of, it's a little, yeah, but he's like, you're a little gray. I'm a fan Acting of your weird. Charles Heston, John. I would not be comfortable being in space as a child at Heston. <laughs> It's like he says all this stuff that's kind of butch, but also kind of homoerotic. <laughs> real passionate about guns. Yeah, that would not be a wise decision. To would you rather space. time travel with Charles and Heston or Michael Shannon? <laughs> Why Michael Shannon? Because he's like the most intense and weird modern actor I could think of. <laughs> Not that. I, I mean, I think it'd be, it'd be weirder for me to travel in time with, like, John Malkovich. He'd <laughs> just be playing with his well, dumbass phone. <laughs> <laughs> laughing at its jokes. Before they get to the punchline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is not a future I look forward to. So let's go back. To so the 50s again. Pleasantville. <clears throat> Now, this was not my choice. I feel like, Colin, you're like, yeah, let's put Pleasantville. Want to explain yourself a little bit? Oh, uh, well, I feel like it has kind of the, uh, I don't know, just the plot devices of a time travel movie where you have characters kind of confronting a different time period and having to deal with what it's like living in a time so far removed from their own. Uh-huh. But yeah, I guess technically it, it's not like they're actually going back to the 50s. They're going back to an idealized version of the 50s. A TV version. A TV version, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my beef with this. I mean, I love this movie. I love Gary Ross. I think he's a great writer-director. Um, but it's like this is a version of the 50s that never really existed. It was never really like – the 50s were never really like that. And it's, it's a world where everything is literally black and white. It's almost like a, a different dimension, basically, because this is Toby Maguire going into his favorite TV show. 
with basically his with his sister Reese Witherspoon and Don Knotts is talking to him through a TV just like those aspects and all that stuff I just named it just like it's it, it, it's weird to me it's like I, it's like another dimension you know Don I mean, Knotts is really just playing the Chevy Chase character from Hot Tub Time Machine <laughs> basically Hot Tub Time Machine owns a lot, owes a lot to Pleasantville <laughs> they should release him in a box set <laughs> I'd buy it <laughs> I forgot Paul Walker was in this movie he was trying whatever happened to him it's so weird that Paul Walker is like he's like starring in one of the biggest movie franchises of all time and he's unemployable otherwise <laughs> yeah that's not about right unemployable <laughs> 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 I can tell he's got a bad record he does have a bad Like he's record. an asshole. He doesn't he's get along with other actors. He's been Hollywood years. blacklisted. <laughs> I can't... There was... Like he tried. He did a... Like Varsity Blues or something. I thought that was James Vanderbeek. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty similar. I can see he could make his up. He was in a football movie, wasn't he? Was uh... I don't remember what. No, he's in Varsity Blues. In Varsity Blues is he? Okay. Not like the main guy. All he's right. He got Varsity. Okay. <laughs> he just couldn't break out of the Fast and Furious death grip. Basically, sometimes I worry that Taylor Kitsch is the new Paul Walker. I feel so bad for Taylor Kitsch. He seems to have made all the right choices. This all those movies didn't work out. But I mean, even Paul Walker as the Fast. Whatever you want to call them, movies, the fast movies. <laughs> Taylor Kitsch doesn't have anything like that right now. But he's got a severe case of Paul Walker syndrome. <laughs> Except Taylor Kitsch can act. Yeah, he's a lot better than. It just, he's unfortunately makes companies lose billions and millions <laughs> of dollars. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to him. So Pleasantville, I like, I just. I can't sign off on it as a time travel movie, the more I think about it. Which is weird, because I feel like I brought it up first. Mm -hmm. So, I guess I've reversed my position. Okay, I'm fine with it. I mean, I love it. I love that it plays how the place with the fish out of water thing, and this idealized version of the 50s, and that's really interesting. But yeah, it's like... It's like it's, they're not traveling, you know, to the past or to the future. It's to like another dimension. Yeah, we'll have to wait for our top ten alternate dimension movies. Oh, that could be sweet. Could wait, it? Does Wrath of Khan or not Wrath of Khan? Um, Superman two, whatever that one's called, the Superman two. <laughs> the Superman two. <laughs> Does that uh, count? I guess. We'll see when we get to that list. It's a little complicated. Just like this next movie. Yeah, I wanted to see this more than any of the ones you put on this list that I haven't seen. Because you, you pitched it in a way that made it sound really interesting. Primer is an independent film made for $7,000. <laughs> Basically by some college students, uh, Shane Carruth, who if you look at like the credits, directed, produced, wrote, starred, did the music, edited. He's actually not a bad actor either. But the thing that, about this movie, Shane Cruz is, was uh, like has a degree in mathematics, and he's a former engineer 
So this is probably the most technical time travel movie I have ever seen. These guys basically have built this time travel device, and they're keeping it in like one of those storage locker type places. And what they're doing is they're getting inside the time machine, and then they're getting out to like mess with stock prices and stuff, and somehow get money. Should I? Should I actually? What's really funny is on Wikipedia and other places, they have like a chart of how time travel works in this movie. Should I attempt to explain it, even though I'll probably totally <laughs> fuck it up? This chart is fascinating. I would love to hear your explanation. <laughs> I'm going to really try, but it's really confusing. So it starts with this person on the timeline. He has the time machine device. He turns the time machine device on. Uh, about 20 minutes later, his double who is him in the future, gets out of the time machine and goes somewhere else. Now, the guy, the original who turned on the time machine, goes to, like, check on his stock prices, which have gotten higher because of his double. God. (laughs) His double that came out earlier. And then after he checks his stock prices, he gets in the time machine and he's in there for, like, six hours or I can't remember how long. And then he becomes his double and his double... He's, like, kind of back in time, and he's, like, messing with stocks, and then eventually, like, doesn't exist. Yeah, uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, following the picture, and I don't even, like, get it. I mean, people say that if you say that, you know, you understand this maybe the first time you see it, that you are lying. <laughs> because this is this is literally the most complicated movie I've ever seen. But And even though that makes it, like, you're watching the whole thing. You're like, this is cool. This is cool. He's like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> you like the same time you respect it so much. It's like you're watching a really like smart lecture or something. You're like, oh, these guys are these guys are really they've really tapped into something. I don't know what it is, but these guys I've really put some thought into this. I don't know why I say these guys. It seems like it's mostly Shane Cruz, but he does co-star with uh, another guy. And uh, it's basically these two guys, and they're trying to use time travel to get money but then they worry that oh crap we don't want to run into our other selves and then i th- i feel like at some point there becomes more than one of them and they're like you know it totally fucked up their lives oh man so it's, if you had... invented time travel and you wanted to make a lot of money couldn't you just sell the, the time machine to like the government <laughs> hey government i made a time machine yeah you're probably like i don't trust anyone but myself with this yeah. technology They'd screw you out of the money you deserve. Yeah, these guys, they're smart. They built a time machine, so they know how to manipulate. Oh, and if you had a time machine, you could just take it apart and know how to make a time machine, then go back in time, and then you're the one who invented it. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah. Once someone invents the time machine, we will never have any idea who really invented the time machine. Oh my gosh, Sean, I think you just came up with a movie where this guy who uses a time machine to go back. There's like laws against that, but he breaks the time machine laws. Yeah. Now he's invented it and he's like super rich. Now there aren't those laws anymore. Fuck you, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just this guy, but he alters the future like too much and stuff starts like screwing up. And then he keeps going back and changing it and changing it until his timeline is totally skewed and mess up. What a dick. <laughs> Oh man, I for, almost forgot to mention the movie uh, Timeline <laughs> with Paul Walker, <laughs> the ultimate time travel star. That's one with knights. 
Nights. It's a, based off a of Michael Crichton novel. It's a Richard Donner movie. Paul Walker is a God. Was he a scientist? That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> no. But oh, George Butler was in this. This is. This is yeah. This is a dumb movie about time travel, and there's knights and shit, and it's just stupid night movie. The only thing I like about this movie is Billy Connolly. Spoiler, spoiler for the shitty movie timeline. Billy Connolly dies, and so then in the future they have his grave, and his tombstone reads like "Born, you know, nineteen like forty seven died, you know, it's like way in the past, like like thirteen fifty seven, like." Sweet. I want to grave like that. So it's like a math problem. 1937 minus 1300. It's like, dude, this guy... I don't even understand this. (laughs) And I don't understand Paul Walker's appeal. Let me see if this movie was well-received. It was not. And it did poorly at the box office. Hmm. But it has its place somewhere. In time? In Time. Somewhere in Time is our next movie. Somewhere in Time is kind of a romantic. Yeah, it's a romantic movie. I was getting, I always get it confused with another movie I have on this list, just the title. Now, Somewhere in Time is a movie where Christopher Reeve is a, a playwright, and he goes to this, uh, this fancy hotel, and he sees this picture of this beautiful woman, and he really wants to find out who was this woman, for, you know, for whatever reason. So then he uses self-hypnosis. Like, he, like, gets period piece clothes and sits in a period piece room and tries to do that until he's traveled back in time. And then it works. And then it's a love story. But it's one of those things where it's like, I can't stay in here forever. I got to get back to my own time someday for some reason. I don't remember why. Um, It's... I mean, the thing about this is it's got a cool setup with the time travel. But then it basically just plays out as a kind of just a a period piece romance. Um, He's going back... When did he go back to... I want to say it's like the 1910s and Christopher Reeve is falling in love with Jane Seymour. And it's just a good romance film with some cool time travel elements. Really makes me miss Christopher Reeve. It's really sad that all of Christopher Reeve's movies seem hella sad now. They're like, man, this guy's he's, he's pretty, he's, he's so charming, such a nice guy. He's like, oh man, but you know that, you know, tragedy struck him later. So it makes all his movies super sad. Cause it's like, oh man, I, I can only imagine what, could have gone to do. Uh, that's a shame, but no, it's it's, it's a nice romance movie. It's based off of a, a book, I believe, by Richard Matheson, who's famous for writing like I Am Legend and uh, Incredible Shrinking Man, a bunch of Twilight Zone episodes. Strong characters, but I mean, you guys haven't seen it, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. So there you go. It won't make the list, but it's it's good. Um, good enough to be parodied on American Dad. There's an episode for Steve Smith. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the characters. They go to a hotel and he sees a picture of a woman from the 80s and he tries to travel back in time, basically. And it's kind of a nice little tribute to a a quaint little movie. Um, Well, here's a movie that's not really quaint at all. Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Uh, It picks up where Star Trek III left off with our cast marooned. No, they have the the, the Klingon ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have the Klingon ship. The Warbird. But there's this thing sucking all the power out of Earth. 
and it sounds like humpback whales. And humpback whales are extinct in the Star Trek future. So the uh, crew go back in time to abduct humpback whales and bring them to the future to save the Earth. It's now, a really weird premise when you think about it. Yeah. It's a, kind of amazing that the film works as well as it does. Because I feel like a lot of its charm doesn't have to do with the whales. It's interesting because Star Trek does a lot of time travel. I mean, the 2009 Star Trek movie is like all time travel. But this is like the least Star Trek movie that Star Trek could be. There's like basically no sci-fi action, mm-hmm. really. It's just... It's like a fish out of water comedy, basically, with the mm-hmm. cast of Star Trek. <laughs> but it exactly. turns out that's pretty great. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's the reason that I say this is my favorite Star Trek movie, you know, even though I've only seen two, four, and Insurrection, Wrecking Map, whatever that was. Um, but yeah, I love the humor in this. There's, of course, the classic scene where they're Spock and, and Kirk are on the bus, and there's the punk. They want him to turn his music and flips him off. So Spock gives him the Vulcan neck pinch. He passes out, and everyone like applauds. <laughs> there's so many like bizarre, like a quirky like jokes in this movie. Like there's that woman they meet. Uh, Kirk, this is Kirk and Spock again. They're like in her car, and she's like, you know, let's, you know, we got to talk somewhere. It's like you guys like Italian, and then there's this weird back and forth between. Kirk and Spock are like, yes, no, yes, no. He's like, yes, the time. Like, yeah. For some reason, Spock keeps saying no. I don't know. It's like, what the hell are you... Why are you having this bizarre Abbott Costello moment? <laughs> Dirk and Spock. It's, it's just, they're like a comedy team. <laughs> this movie's full of the campy fun that the original Star Trek was able to do. I mean, this would not work with the next generation crew at all. I mean, I mean Picard would know exactly how to fit in in any year, in any country ever. Just because he's that guy. And, and no one else no one else had fun on Next Generation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. It does call back to the original series. Like, uh, was it, what was the original, what was the classic Star Trek time travel episode? Was that City on the Edge of Forever? That's the one I would think of. Yeah, and it's or a lot both. like that episode, which is one of the best episodes of that show. And there's some great jokes in that one where, like, Kirk was trying to explain why Spock looked like that. And he's like, he's a Chinaman who was in, like, an accident. (laughs) Isn't that the one where Bones gets drunk and he complains about surgery? Yes. And that is great. That is a great moment. And, you know, of course, Star Trek, everyone remembers the great, uh, the the sophistication of, you know, the the, the sci-fi stories. But... These were pretty good characters too, and that's what I loved about the um, that episode in this movie. Is you get to explore the other side of them aside from the, uh, I don't know, the sci-fi or space officer side of them. You get to like get to know the human side of them, and I really like that. And I think the Star Trek: The Voyage Home is a great comedy. It's a great sci-fi comedy. I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't really remember. Like what the they had to get like whale sounds and yeah they had, they had to get the whales because the thing that was attacking Earth in the present but our future uh, was communicating in what sounded like humpback whale song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, isn't it funny? This this sounds like it could have been horrible. Yeah, 
And, whale song. And you know, Star Trek Three was horrible. Yeah. And, you know, going to San Francisco, it looks like they're gay or something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, it hits all the right comedic notes, and you really get to love these characters. And yeah, it's one of my favorite Star Trek related just things in general. I still, I think I prefer Wrath of Khan, but Voyage Home is right up there. Mm-hmm, awesome. Definitely. So yeah, I, I definitely put it on this list. It is a sure thing. So are the next two movies on our list, Terminator and T2 Judgment Day. Yeah, I think it's it's appropriate to both of them. I mean, I think two is the better movie, but I think one kind of played with time travel in a more interesting way because you have Michael Bean, he's sent back in time. I can't remember, did he know that he has to be John Connor's father? No, I don't. I think he, I he, he just thought he had to protect Sarah Connor. <laughs> but that's pretty cool that like he was sent by John Connor, you know, go, you know, protect my mom in the past. And then he ends up boning her. And it's like, oh, now that guy who gave me his orders is my son. <laughs> but that's kind of cool, actually. Did, did John Connor know? I think that's the thing. I don't know. It's just like... a mystery and no because... one knows. If I was just going to base this on Terminator 1 and 2, I would say, yes, he knew. Okay. But Terminator 3 started playing with the idea that, like, the future that these things are being sent back from isn't necessarily the same future. Like, every time they do this, things are changing. And there's, like, certain inevitabilities. But, I don't know, Terminator got way more confusing as they had to keep making them. (laughs) As anything with time travel would. Yeah. But I just I love the aspect of time travel in that first one, and I like how there's like that picture he has of Sarah Connor that he gives to her, and then you see later like the movie like when that picture is taken and near the end, like that's that's pretty cool how like it's like circular. I like movies that that are it's like circular time travel, but they don't like it's it's like so confusing you can't wrap your mind around. Well, like if he's his father, you know, and then he sent this guy back in time. It's like a ring, but I, I kind of like that. Does it make sense to you guys why people being sent back in time can't wear clothes? <laughs> you, you, well, you know what confuses me about that is in the second one, they send back the Terminator. He's not wearing clothes. I don't know, even though he's got like skin and he's got a robot costume, whatever. But then the T-1000, he just generates his clothes out of his own skin. So why did he come back naked? <laughs> I mean, maybe because he had to see what, like, people back then looked like. Wait, doesn't he, like, steal a cop's uniform? It's like, you don't need to do that. You can just make a costume. I feel like there's some, like, maybe even some plot holes, maybe even with their method of travel. There's a lot of weird mistakes you could probably find in the Terminator movies. Um, But I don't know. Like, for example, the plan is really dumb. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Let's send back one Terminator... Um, let's say let's say that's all they can like afford. Like it's really hard to do that. I mean, I don't know why they chose. I think in the second one, well, we failed the first time. Let's do it a little bit later for some reason. <laughs> like let's not go after John Connor when he's a baby. Let's go after him when he can like ride a motorcycle. <laughs> That'd be cool, right? <laughs> that's their logic. That'd be cool. Well, they're they're like robots, right? 
They don't know what cool is. They need constant reassurance. Is, is that cool? I guess Marvel would have to give a shot. Oh, I know. I'm a robot. They just want the history books to reflect that they were pretty cool. <laughs> like, no one wants to hear about those those lame Terminators. They're badass. There's some, but uh, both of these movies have some sweet future scenes, too. I mean, we, we always get to see this inevitable future where it's this awesome wasteland with Terminators and laser guns. And human skulls everywhere. Freaking everywhere, man. Why? That's why, that's why Terminator Salvation pissed me off so much, because it didn't look like those movies. Those movies looked awesome. Everything was blue, thousands of skulls. And then they made Terminator <laughs> Salvation just in, like, some stupid, like, Road Warrior ripoff. Rain of Fire. Piece of shit. Huh? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> They totally dropped the ball on that. I mean, there's rumors that they're going to continue this series now that Arnold is acting again. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with that, though. Like, I guess they could have him being, this was the guy that they made the Terminator out of. Except that's a deleted scene of Terminator 3. (laughs) Have you guys seen this scene? No. Oh, you have to check it out. There's a deleted scene from Terminator 3. Um, where there's this uh, guy showing this presentation of the man who says like, "Oh, all you know, uh, you know, be the Terminator like model. All the Terminator robots will be built out after me." And it's Arnold, but he's got this, this dumb Southern accent. He's like, "Ah, my name's Officer William Candy. I'm honored to be selected." And then one of the guys at the presentation is like, oh, "I hate that voice." And then this nerdy-looking guy goes in like Arnold's voice. Arnold has dubbed this guy, in, "We can fix it." Like if they had inserted this scene, I you know, everyone should be should look this up. This would have been a comedy. Terminator Three, <laughs> it would have made it worse. And I think that's an okay movie. It's kind of entertaining, is cheesy. That would have made it so ridiculous. So if anyone is interested in this, I highly you know suggest you look up. I like Terminator. That, yeah, that scene doesn't even make sense within Terminator Three because they they say at one scene, why do they keep saying Terminators? That look like this, and they say it's because in the you develop a sentimental connection to me, and that's what lets a machine that looks like me kill you in the future. Mm-hmm. But now, look up the William Candy scene, the deleted scene from Terminator Three. You will laugh your ass off. It is hilarious. Um, that aside, I, I think the Terminators are are pretty cool time travel movies. They probably don't make any sense. I mean. They I guess don't make, they don't any, make sense. any sense. They're probably out of all these time travel movies, one of the worst, like from a logical standpoint. But they're probably the, one of the most entertaining two movies on this list. So I think you got to have them. Tell me about time after time. Time after time is a pretty weird setup. Does that have time anything to do with the song? No, it, this was before that song came out. Um, it's 1979, written and directed by Nicholas Meyer, who co-wrote uh, Star Trek The Voyage Home. <gasps> if, if you like that movie, you'll probably like Time After Time. It is very, very similar. It is about... Well, similar in tone, not similar in the setup. The setup is H.G. <laughs> Wells. In it. Uh, not that I recall. H.G. <laughs> Wells is played by Malcolm McDowell, and he actually has made a time machine. Mm-hmm. And then David Warner... Um, 
you know, is on the run because he's actually Jack the Ripper. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a history, it's a history that didn't come to life. And he steals, he gets in Malcolm McDowell's time machine and goes to the uh, the future. But for some reason, the time machine has some future where once you get off of it, like, it, like, disappears. So it comes back to modern day. So it should also get back in his time machine. And then he travels into time to go follow Jack the Ripper because Jack the Ripper is bad. And he ends up in this museum in San Francisco. Once again, like Voyage Home, San Francisco. And uh, so that explains why he's not like in England anymore because the time machine has been moved over time. Though I guess he's been in it the whole time. It's kind of confusing. Doesn't make any sense. Anyways, so this is another funny fish out of water movie. And then he meets Mary Steenburgen. Also in Back to the Future 3. It's all connected. Yeah, it's <laughs> David Warner in some of the Star Trek. Yeah, I don't know if he's into any of the ones with time travel. Though I feel like a lot of them have it, so it's possible. Yeah, he's definitely in one. Um, but this movie, I mean, of course it's like, oh, I gotta go catch Jack the Ripper. But it, the appealing aspect is the the romantic um, kind of connection with Mary Steenburgen and Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell's real, real funny in this. He's real naive. Um, one of the best scenes in this movie is he goes into a McDonald's, which he thinks is like a Scottish restaurant. <laughs> Later he calls it, I had lunch at McDougal's. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can watch the scene on, on YouTube. It's pretty good. He, he goes in. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He just does what the guy in front of him does. He's like, I'll have a, a – and he does it. He like pretends to do an American accent. I'll have a Big Mac and fries oh, and, and a tea. And then he goes and he sits down and he's eating the fries. He's Palm Fritz, because I guess back then people called fries. And then he's like feeling the table. He's like, "What kind of wood is this?" There's all sorts of goofy moments like that that are real, real light, uh, very funny, and um, it's just an a, a enjoyable experience. It's 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 funny to think that like H.G. Wells, like this idea where H.G. Wells is like traveling, actually has a time machine and travels to go kiss Jack the Ripper. That setup is hilarious. Um. Yeah, just a light, fun movie. I really, I've, I watched it. I first saw it when I was a kid, and uh, I still really enjoy it. It still holds up. So yeah, I recommend it. Um, it's, you know, since you guys haven't seen it, I don't know if it'll make it on the list, but I'd like it to. Sounds badass. <laughs> How about we talk about short people? Time Bandits, another Terry Gilliam one. Did you watch his in Back to the Future, Colin? No. I think I watched it with you guys once. That was the only time I saw it. Yep. Do you guys like it? Me? Um, I don't think there's anything too complex about the time travel aspect of this movie. If I recall, it's just this kid that somehow gets um, caught up with these dwarves. You leave it to Terry Gilliam. Um, <laughs> and go through time stealing treasure and stuff. And, you know, they meet like a... Napoleon. That's a pretty great part of the movie because he's all like, he's, he's, you know, he hates that he's short, but then he sees these dwarves that makes him feel really superior. <laughs> you know, Ian Holm is great as Napoleon. And they meet um, Sean, you know, the kid meets Sean Connery. What was he? He was like a, I want to say he was like a Roman soldier, a Greek sh- soldier or something. He was Agamemnon. Yeah. And the kid, like, he forms this relationship, like, with him because his parents are kind of distant. Because he's from this weird, like, Orwellian, I guess it's present day. That's really weird. (laughs) 
of course, once again, Terry Gilliam, weird Terry Gilliam world. And David Warner's in this. David Warner is the bad guy in this. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Back to back David Warner Todd <laughs> movies. <laughs> He's pretty scary in this. There's some great humor. John Cleese is Robin Hood. Perfect <laughs> casting. <laughs> Um, it's been a little while since I've seen this, so I don't remember the story as well as I remember the visual aspect. This movie looks fantastic. Um, Terry Gilliam is just a visionary. He was so ambitious with the kind of stuff he put on camera. It's no wonder that he's, all his movies were like kind of like failures because they were expensive. And then like people were like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little too out there for mainstream audiences. But what's great about that is now we can look back at them and really appreciate them. I mean, they really are, they still look amazing um, today. How do you guys, uh, how, how passionate are you guys about Time Bandits? Honestly, I'm, I'm not that passionate. Yeah, about it. I'm not super passionate. I mean, I'm a bigger fan of Gilliam's later movies. I guess Brazil and probably 12 Monkeys are the two big ones for me. Do you think that's going to hinder the chances of Time Bandits being on the list that we already have another Gilliam film that will probably be on the list? Maybe. I mean, I just feel like when you talk about time travel movies, Time Bandits is usually right up. Like, it's it's usually, you know, up front in the conversation. Not, I mean, not as the best, but, you know, it's, it's definitely one of the higher ones. But, I mean, if we're not all crazy about it, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it won't be... Uh, higher on there i don't know it's weird because i can't really think of a criticism to make against it i just feel like the movie didn't resonate with me that much it is kind of weird like i mean i don't feel like i really identify with the kid that much or any of the dwarves they're not really that likable <laughs> they're basically criminals so you kind of feel i don't know alienated in a way when you watch this movie and i feel like the movie got a little more wrapped up with I don't even think this is really a fair criticism, but it, it got more into its own story than just the fun of them going to these weird places in time. Mm-hmm. But I, I, when I think about it, that's probably what I would want them to do. It's just it's so weird. You know what else is weird? It's produced, well, not weird, but produced by George Harrison. I think he did a meat song for it. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Michael Palin, I think, co-wrote this too. It's it's interesting. I like how once Monty Python, Monty Python, I don't know what I'm it. Monty Python, uh, you know, kind of started going their separate ways. Everyone would always use Michael Palin. Mm-hmm. It's like because I feel like Terry Jones went off to do a couple of movies, uh, I, none of which I can recall being that good. But uh, Michael Palin's that. Michael Palin was in you know Terry Gilliam's movies. He's this guy that you love, and he's. I seem to recall he was pretty funny in this too. He, he's got a lot of scenes with Shelley Duvall where they're like star-crossed lovers. That was pretty good. And it's got R2-D2 like acting. Yeah. And so yeah, there you go. That's the thing you want. All right. So maybe we should, we'll just touch on this a little bit later and move ahead. To time crimes? To time crimes. Which... I oh, mean, it's really, like, it's a movie I'd hate to spoil, but I thought it was really cool. Um, I guess I can just set it up saying this is a, this is a Spanish film. 
it's basically about this middle-aged man and they're kind of renovating this house and he's just sitting in his front yard and he looks at his binoculars and he sees this like naked woman. He goes out there, he gets stabbed by this scary guy in a trench coat with a pink cloth, like wrapped around his head. And then he runs away from him and he finds like this scientific, um, like research facility. And this guy's like, you got to get in this, this machine, get away from that crazy guy. Um, any more explanation, I start spoiling it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, Colin, you, you check this out? Yeah. What'd you think? I was pretty impressed by it. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a movie that's definitely all plot, but like as it unfolds and gets more and more complex, I definitely thought it got really interesting and it's it's a very tense movie too. It's kind of almost in a horror thriller definitely realm, which is interesting for time travel, I guess. Yeah, and I, I, I admire that it's so low budget, but like it, it comes up with this story and in, in such that that really utilizes this this you know the setting and all the characters and everything. It's like they made the most of an of an idea. They're just really strong. I don't know sci-fi writing. I guess. Like I, that's the thing. I just feel like I have to be so tight-lipped about it because <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. Because I just remember watching it as it unfolded, and I was just like, "That is so cool!" Like you, you can't even watch the trailer because I remember when I first heard about this movie, everyone was saying, "Don't see the trailer! Don't see the trailer!" So I didn't, and I saw the trailer after I saw the movie. I was like, "Wow, this totally spoils the whole movie." That's totally lame. <laughs> you can't talk about this movie without spoiling it. You just gotta see it. Um, but yeah, great sci-fi movie from a guy who's actually named Nacho. Yeah, Nacho. <laughs> Nacho Vigalondo, who wrote it and co-starred in it. He played the scientist, and he's pretty good. Yeah. I'm not really sure where his career has gone since. I think he's still um, sticking to mostly sci-fi. There's been rumors for a long time that this movie is going to be remade by David Cronenberg. But, uh, I mean, as of right now, that's still a rumor. Uh, yeah, Sean, you got to check it out. Like, I've spoiled every movie. This one I don't want to spoil because I really think you should see it someday. It's got such a funny name. That's the thing. It's like when you when you see, like, the like maybe the, I don't know, the poster and the name. Like, this sounds kind of dumb. This looks like a dumb slasher movie. But it's really, it's really so much more than that. Oh, wait, no. It's Spanish name. Sounds way cooler. Chrono Crimenez? I, I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. Oh, that but, probably just means time crimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I like this movie so much that I just like, I waited a couple hours and I was like, Paul, I just watched this. Want to watch this with me? Because <laughs> I, like, I, I wanted to show it to someone. So I watched it again a couple hours later. I mean, it's only like 88 minutes, so. Yeah. yeah, really engrossing plot line. Um, great use of time travel concepts. So I think it's got a good shot. But it looks like we're down to trimming the fat. Gotta lose two. Gotta lose two. Um, bah, 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 yeah. Let me see. Out of the, we're, we're, probably got to cut one of the ones that you guys haven't seen, which is either Time After Time or Primer. I'd probably go with Primer because it's actually kind of boring. It's just really <laughs> smart. <laughs> Okay. And let's see. I really like Time After Time. 
So I'm kind of leaning towards, even though we've all seen Austin Powers. Yeah, I don't think that has to be on the list. It's not like, <laughs> yeah. like a great movie or anything. I don't even know if that movie got good reviews. I just have always liked a soft spot for Mike Myers. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like that's that well. <laughs> I, def- I definitely like to go back and watch the Austin Powers movies again, just because I feel like they're a big part of our youths. <laughs> we should. But yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how well they hold up. Get ready for, for like, bombs. Uh, we rewatched that first uh, Wayne's World, and I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, but that was like, uh, I mean, that was really well received critically. I don't think Austin Powers Spider has a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes to give you a little perspective, their, their review site. So I don't know, man. I think I'd still like it. Uh, but what do I know? I sort of like Joe Dirt, so. Yeah. This is a movie that got a lot of laughs out of just having a character called Fat Bastard. <laughs> Get in my. Yeah, but it's so iconic. Get in my belly. <laughs> Baby, the other other white meat. <laughs> that is a quotable. That is that's, a that's pretty weird. <laughs> baby, the whole movie. I ate a baby. He wants to eat a guy because it looks like a baby. <laughs> it kind of looks like a baby. <laughs> baby back, baby back ribs. <laughs> This is really fucked up. Man. I think what what happened? What happened to Mike Myers? How come he can't do something like that again? I really hope that he comes back some at some point with like an, a good comedy idea because he can be really funny sometimes. But another time, I suppose. We must dwell on time travel. Okay, so then we're probably looking at... Kind of left you hanging there, John. I'm sorry. I, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, you could probably go with time after time since I'm the only person that's seen it. It's unseen. I'm really glad I made the list, though, because it's, it's really fun. It sounds great. Yeah. I, th- I think everyone would enjoy it. If we ever get together and pick movies again, I'll, I'll pick that sometime. We can all watch it. Okay. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think? I would probably say Time Bandits. Okay. Because it seemed like we're all, all right with it. It's just... Yeah, I don't know. I kind of have the same reaction as Sean. Maybe just there's just too much whimsy. There wasn't... <laughs> I don't know. It's almost more like a fantasy film than a sci-fi film. Yeah. I don't even remember how he traveled through time. There's like this was it a there's something that opened some sort of tunnel. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really remember. It was it, it was it, it was weird. Which which movie was the one that opened with that little short film with like the corporate people? <laughs> I think you're thinking of the meaning of life. Money Python's meaning of life. Meaning of life. That was that cool. Was, I wish Time Bass was that. I feel like it is similar in tone to that. Was that segment directed by Terry Gilliam? It definitely was. I feel like it was just that, and then the rest was directed by Terry Jones. Right? Yeah, spent, yeah, that's it. That's you're exactly right. Okay, I, I know that for a fact. He spent a lot of time working on this movie. Where these old businessmen that like turn a, a building into a pirate ship. 
pretty pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. You know, if that there's some time travel aspect to that, I'd I'd you know, <laughs> I'd love to discuss it, but uh, unfortunately. So the the two left on this list that I haven't seen are Time Crimes and Twelve Monkeys. Uh, well, Twelve Monkeys is is pro- is definitely the is probably the more memorable film. I imagine that being higher. Uh, I don't call since I mean I really like Time Crimes, but since you've just seen it recently, where do you think it stacks up against some of these other ones? Do you think it's I mean, probably a little, little lower, maybe. Probably, but I still think it's a pretty strong film. Um, it is say- hard to compare it to to Twelve Monkeys just because. Yeah, I watched Time Crimes earlier today, and the last time I saw Twelve Monkeys was five, six years ago. Well, here's one thing I like to think about: is in terms of the time travel aspect, Time Crimes does that really well. Yeah. Whereas, even though I really love like. I don't know, Planet of the Apes, the time travel aspect isn't as, like, interesting, mm-hmm. I think. I'd like to say, of the movies I have seen on this list, Planet of the Apes would probably be my lowest. Yeah, mine too. I've never been a huge fan. It's a, it's a decent sci-fi film. I probably like Time Crimes better, honestly. Okay, and, and so, so Planet of the Apes, I mean, it's a great movie just as a time travel movie. It's a little lower. Yeah. Uh, okay, then. Then I think maybe an, an, discussing another recent one. What about Tom Crimes in, in Midnight in Paris? Because I, I don't know. I, I think somewhere one of those two. Maybe next. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I like Midnight in Paris better. Just I don't know, probably because it has that Woody Allen touch to it. But uh-huh. Tom Crimes is still. Probably what I would put next. I'd probably put it at seven, honestly. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So Time Crimes at seven and Midnight of Paris at six? I mean, that's how I, That's what I would do. Um, yeah, I'm okay with that. Getting a little, getting a little harder. Uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm, I'm all stuck myself. Anyone Anyone have any strong feelings here? Uh, I think for me, the next would either be 12 Monkeys or Star Trek 4. But the thing about Groundhog Day is it's kind of, I don't know, it's a weird, weirdly defined sci-fi or time travel movie. Sean, what do you think about uh, how Groundhog Day fits into all of this? Groundhog Day is my favorite of the movies <laughs> on this list. Yeah, but that'll uh, be true for any list we do. Pretty much. Groundhog Day. <laughs> Unless you force me to choose between it and Lost in Translation, in which case, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, I could go. I could go Twelve Monkeys next. I suppose. Actually, I don't know. I think. Well, Sean, you haven't seen it, right? I haven't seen it, but uh, you know. Groundhog Day, it's a marginal pick for a time travel movie. I can understand putting it at five. It's still the top five. Okay. So Groundhog Day? I can live with it. Okay. And then maybe like 12 Monkeys? Uh, sure. I'm telling you guys, 12 Monkeys is so awesome. I think, yeah, Shane, I think you like it. Yeah, I'd like to see it again. I've 
seen it a couple times now, and uh, it's always something I don't notice. There's always, oh, I didn't see that last time, you know. It's very layered, so I think that's cool. It's probably Star Trek next, right? I, I guess, yeah. Mm. It's interesting. I did not know how this list was going to play out. I was like, I'm not sure. It could go anyway. Uh, yeah, I was pretty sure these would be the top two. I wasn't. Yeah. I don't know what I thought would be top two, but uh, we're down to the one and two spot, and <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. The uh, Terminator movies two myself. That's the way I'd go. Are you saying as number two? Yeah. yeah. Back to the Future number one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's probably about right. Even though Terminator has the double movie advantage, I just feel like Back to the Future is a classic. Absolutely classic. Terminator, Terminator 2, they're fun. I I don't think I'd call them classics. I feel like we basically established the time travel aspect of those movies is not well constructed. (laughs) I'm surprised it's as high as it is considering it doesn't make that much sense. It's just so awesome. They're just so awesome, yeah. They just bask in the awesomeness of Arnie. Totally. I think we can we can read it off. Yeah, I love how many of these movies have time-related words in the title. <laughs> Our top ten time travel movies. Number ten, Time After Time. Number nine, Time Bandits. Number eight, The Planet of the Apes. Number seven, Time Crimes. Number six, Midnight in Paris. Number five, Groundhog Day. Number four, 12 Monkeys. Number three, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Number two, Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And our number one favorite time travel movie is Back to the Future. I think you guys should probably head over to mildlypleased.com and, you know, read what we've written. Maybe even leave a comment on the post tied to this podcast or... Maybe you already left a comment and you can read what you said. And I don't know. Time travel back and write that comment. It would be confusing. <laughs> also, if you haven't already, which again, you may have, you should uh, give us a review on iTunes or send an email to t3 at mildlyplease.com. Just do something so we know you're out there and you're alive and you're okay. We worry about you so much. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then. Get up, get up, get up.